Join me, Aaron, your host, and my lovely guest, Tracy, who is a dear friend and licensed online therapist located in Richmond, Virginia. We will dive deep into what it means to be a child of a narcissistic parent. While each episode covers a different subject, know that every episode will be crammed with honesty, humor, and hope. So sit back and relax. Let's do this. So Tracy, in my humble opinion, one of the worst things that you can say to a child of a narcissist is your parents did the best they could. (gasps) (laughs) I can remember people saying that to me throughout my life. And I guarantee you that my initial reaction or response was never a positive one. Most times I didn't say anything at all, but inside I knew that I just would either shut down, want to walk away. It just didn't feel nice. It just never, yeah. ever felt nice. It did not sit well. No, yeah. no. And I know that it wasn't always with maliciousness or, right. you know, right. it, it was well-intentioned, I'm sure. In most mm-hmm. situations, mm-hmm. people were saying it kind of like a little plaster or band-aid, like, it'll be okay. For <laughs> some people, that's an easier way to look at the yeah. world. Let's get on with it. Let's talk about something mm-hmm. nice. You know, mm-hmm. is what I'm sure they mm-hmm. wanted to say is, I would rather be talking about something nice, so can we move on? But instead, they would say the dreaded words of, your parents did the best they could. As a young child, the best analogy that I could use when I heard those words, it felt like a weighted blanket of shame. Mm -hmm. It just felt so heavy, but I can't remember. It must've been from when I was like five, six, seven. I knew I wasn't stupid. I knew that when they said this, there was a reason it didn't sit well with me. And I think It's because I could already see other people's parents. And particularly, I my best friend, she lived three doors up. And we, honest to God, we lived in each other's houses from morning till night, especially in the school holidays and things. And so I spent a lot of time with her mom as well. And although I would, and I'm sure she would agree, would describe her mom as being strict or quite firm, somehow her words didn't land the same way as my mom's did. So already there was this awareness growing. And if I had to describe it once again, I would say that like there was a seed planted, but in this sense, it was a seed of confusion. Yes. Like that statement just genuinely didn't make sense to me from a very early age. And like we were saying at the beginning, like I'm sure some people said it because in all truth, they didn't know what else to say. Right. Right. You know, because like who, first of all, I I really don't remember talking about or admitting or I just don't remember going up to somebody and going, oh, by the way, guess what my mom did today? I'm curious. What would the conversation be that brought that up? Yeah. What do you, if you remember, and like I'm, what, what you did know you what? say think, that would prompt someone yeah. to say, well, they did the best they could. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you say that because it does make me think about it. And I'm sure it's because of my, once again, my children would laugh. I, I cry. I mean, I can cry at the drop of a hat and I'm sure if I was sad or if I was upset about something, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I would say to the closest person, I'm guessing it would have been a family member yeah, uh, or even to my friend's mom. And I might say to her like, oh, you know, my mom said about this about me today. And or like, obviously that she wouldn't have said the exact words of, well, your mom did the best that she could. She might have said like, oh, I'm sure she didn't mean it. Or mm-hmm. I'm sure like it would have that sentence didn't always say the right. exact same thing. Which was well-intentioned, yeah, but completely invalidated yeah. to yeah. what you were saying and feeling in yeah. that moment. Yeah, and even as a little child, I can remember thinking, even starting to question myself, and I think it's the reason that most, if not all, children of narcissists would say that they have an on-off switch in circumstances mm-hmm. like that, because mm-hmm. you just have to have one instance where you say to somebody, oh, but my mom called me this, and they would do the, oh, but automatically the switch would switch off. And you're like, do you mm-hmm. know what? I'm not going to say anything anymore because yeah. they don't believe me. Or safe. Yeah, it's not safe. And you mm-hmm. had that sense, or I did, had that sense at a very early age of, I don't like how this feels when, because for me, even little me, it took a lot of courage to say something that didn't feel nice. It's much easier mm-hmm. to say, look at this you know, cookie I baked well, yeah. today. Especially about your mom. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. When yeah. you're a little kid, yeah. you're not supposed to talk bad about your mom and dad, right? Yeah, yeah. That whole yeah, sense especially. of like respect and honor, like especially uh, growing yeah. up in a religious household, you know, uh, like that exactly. whole sense of honor your father yep, and mother. Yep. yep. Yeah. So it just, there weren't, there wasn't space for error, questions, differences. It's like, this is a blanket statement and this is what you have. There was no like, well, yours might look a little bit different. Like nowadays, we all know that families, there's so many different models of families and most people I feel are quite accepting of that you wouldn't argue that or question that whereas back when I feel like I grew up with dinosaurs that wasn't the case it was like mm-hmm. much more black and white much more black and white yeah. you know it's like this is the sure. way it is yeah. you honor and respect your parents yeah. yeah 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 don't question it don't like how how can a child question what the family model or the parenting yes. model more specifically. Authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Any, or any authority. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it probably wasn't until, gosh, I found the courage properly to tell my story. It was probably when I was in high school, when in teenage years, and there was an analogy that came to my mind and it somehow it doesn't really feel right, but it's the best one I could think of was when I decided to open up this box, this thing that I've been carrying around for so many years, in a way, it felt like I was handing somebody a secret note Mm -hmm. as I was being held captive. Like I just, Mm -hmm. the fear, the real fear and the worry of the implications of this. Yeah, it was so brave. Like, are they so going to ring my parents? Are they going to, like, I'm going to get murdered for this when I get home. Like, my parents are going to give me holy hell because I've told somebody. And, of course, what I was telling was true to me, 
But from a child of a narcissistic parent, that teacher was not going to get the same story. So I was opening a huge can of worms because this <laughs> teacher could have then turned around to me and said, well, I spoke to your mother and she tells me that this never happened. Then, then what, you know, and yet for me, I can tell you the courage that it took to finally talk to somebody. I had never experienced that. Like, yes, there were, make a laugh, make a joke. There were the cheerleading tryouts and all those other fun times that there was a lot of courage and fear and worry. And it was real for my 13 year old, 14 year old self, sure, but sure. nothing compared to once I open, like, I just felt like once I open this door, even if I close it, it's never going to fully shut. Right. Right. Can't put it back in the box. Yeah. So I would hold my breath and I will say that literally and figuratively, I, I would just wait for their response, mm-hmm. hoping that it wasn't going to be the good old, here we go. Your parents did the best they could. And that's what I was expecting. However, fortunately for me in high school, there were two people, two teachers, my Spanish teacher, my English teacher. I think I had them both for all four years, actually. And they both gave me the correct, what I, I say correct, here we go with the air quotes again, the correct answer. And what I mean by that is they didn't say the words that I expected them to say. Yeah. Yeah. And that Validated was you. Yeah. Because for the first time in my life, I had two adults who, in some form or another, did know my family, you know, because there were the parent-teacher conferences, there were the football games, there were the whatever else happens while you're in high school that you get to know that whole sense of community. So in a way, it was different because, you know, this was new. This was probably my first, second year in high school. So although Mm -hmm. my relationship with them was new, I already had an older brother in the system, you know, so my parents were already known throughout the school community. So it wasn't like I was going up to a complete stranger who had no idea of my history, which in other cases and other episodes that could also, (laughs) that's another whole can of worms. When you're, when you're talking to people that you don't know and identifying similar souls and all that, that's another right, whole story right. to be talking about. But I just know from that experience that, and I can even feel it as we're talking about it, like to go from like one kind of energy to another, I can go from this sense of like emotional protective of this child kind of energy to a kind of angry, intense, of, are you kidding me? Kind of seriously, (laughs) like that's all coming to the forefront of my mind. Like just hearing, like each time I wrote that phrase down, that energy was getting bigger because it's real. What are you supposed to do with that? yeah. Yeah. Like, how is that supposed to help that child feel? Because for me, it does nothing but confirm that they're wrong, that they're lying, that they must be making it up, that they're exaggerating. And that there's no one to understand you. Yeah. And that you you remain alone. Yeah. Which is the hardest feeling. Yeah. And I think especially if you're one of others, as far as siblings are concerned, Mm -hmm. it's like how terrifying to know that I could be telling 
That English teacher, for instance, my story, she can call my brother in and say, so this is what your sister says, blah, 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 blah. And he looks at her like, what? And it just gets worse. You know, it just gets more tangled instead of clearer or clarity. You're getting Christmas lights in a hot mess that you haven't touched since last December. Right. Like literally what's where it's going to go. So I think Mm -hmm. the older I got, the more I thought about that. Your parents did the best they could. The more I wanted to scream. She did her best. Like in my best sarcastic. "Mm," If you mean doing your best at humiliating or shaming your child, especially in certain settings and certain audiences. Yeah. She did her best, doing her best at convincing her child that she would never have friends. Oh, yeah, she did her best at making her child believe she was fat. Oh, wait, yeah, she did her best at feeling that you couldn't live up to the success of your siblings. Yeah, she did her best of what you mean. She did her best at not protecting her child, even in the scariest of situations. Can you hear the volume? Can you hear the intonation of my voice mm-hmm. going up mm-hmm. step by fish. step by step? You know, because you just think, oh, yeah. if that's what you mean, like, yeah, let me show you this is what you mean. Right. You know, like as if you wanted to have a fight with somebody in the playground. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. don't tell me she did her best. <sighs> and I just think that the the point in Hearing that, what that does to me, the child of the narcissist, is it insinuates that there weren't other options. It insinuates that she had no other choice. Well, I didn't have to be very old to realize that's not true. Of course, I didn't know what it meant to be a parent. I course I didn't. I wasn't a teen mother. However, I was clever enough and aware enough to know that she was different. Yeah. Yeah. What did you need instead? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. And what did you need and what did you ultimately get? I know. Well, that's it. Because like for hearing all that, all that gave me, (laughs) all I took from that was guilt shame and blame. Mm -hmm. What I took from that is I deserved to be treated this way. Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you why, but all I knew is that it must be true because if everyone's telling me your parents did the best they could, well, obviously I have to believe that because this is what everyone's telling Mm me. The other in addition to feeling all that guilt and shame and blame and all that, it also made me feel very, very confused. Honest to God, like literally the confusion of, for instance, if she didn't have any other options or had no other choices, why was she treating my siblings differently? Okay. So there aren't other choices or options But if you happen to be related and live in the same house, I might be able to find a couple in the cupboard. Just give me a few minutes and I I think I can find you one. (laughs) And that confusion just added, like, I'm already wearing this weighted blanket of shame. Throw confusion on top of that. 
Right. Yeah, and I feel like that so person who's it like... Was, it yeah. was all your fault. Yeah. If your siblings were having a different experience. Yeah. So, like, I spoke earlier about, like, those who believe me, those who could see the truth. They never told me, thank goodness, that my mom did her best. But somehow, and I feel very uncomfortable even saying this now because I, I'm not sure that I really understand it myself, but I know that I wanted more from them. Like it wasn't mm -hmm. enough that, although I can't minimize that, and I'm honest to God, the two teachers are still friends of mine to this day. And when I see them or when I message them or when I speak to them, no word of a lie, I tell them they must be so sick of hearing it, but I will constantly tell them how grateful I am for what they did for me. I call them yeah. my angels without wings because they saved me. Literally, yeah. they saved me because yeah. Yeah. I found safety in their classrooms. And I mean that literally. Mm -hmm. I found safety within them. And I appreciated, oh, everything that they did for me. And even as I say all of that and mean it with my whole heart, there's a part of me that wanted more. And that makes me feel very selfish yeah. because I'm sure well, they gave think, all they could. You know what I mean? I think. Yeah. Well, I think what was happening, and if we look at like just attachment theory stuff, if you've ever looked at any of that, you had a very disrupted and disorganized attachment with your primary caregivers, caregiver mm. particularly. Mm. And so you were at a point where you just wanted healthy attachment. You, you identified somebody who was validating, mm. who was healthy, who was, you know, in a, in a way, a teacher is kind of a caregiving role. I mean, it's a little yeah. different, of course, but um, you wanted proximity. Yeah. You wanted to build a healthy relationship with someone who got you, yeah. with someone who validated you, with someone who listened yeah. to you. And I and think, I think that's like, probably what was happening. Yeah. And I think even more you. than that, which <laughs> makes me think, knowing, especially as a teacher myself, and especially with, you know, working within the social services system and all that, I'm understanding mm -hmm. like that the boundaries have to be very clear. But part of me, sure. what I really wanted, if I have to be perfectly honest, is to grab their hand and and pull them in the boxing ring with me. Yeah. Like I wanted mm -hmm. them to sit in the corner yeah. with me and say, sure. don't worry, when we hear that bell ring, we're going to yeah. stand up with you. Well, this is one of the first people in a role like that who made you feel validated, who made you feel not so alone. And so you wanted you wanted you wanted their help you wanted them to just jump completely in yeah. and and be your advocate you know mm -hmm. and of course they were they were doing what they needed to do in the role that they were in and yeah. following the boundaries you know having boundaries and yeah. and maintaining their own role while still being something incredibly important to you and we know for any children who are victims of of trauma and there are lots of different kinds of trauma obviously mm -hmm. and trauma in many ways is in the eye of the beholder but to have one trusted adult yeah. can make all the difference in the world. Yeah. All the difference in the world, yeah. you know, for getting, for, for getting better. Yeah. And I think part of that too is, although I obviously had, what that was two lessons out of my day, whether I saw them every single day, I guess I would have for both of those subjects. 
there was a point of safety. You know, like I, I knew yes. that there was somewhere they within that building that I was safe, which yes. I didn't feel, you know, at home. Mm-hmm. So here are these trusted individuals whom over the course, especially of four years, I grew to love mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. appreciate and yeah. had an immense gratitude to them. And I think especially because we all know the awkwardness of teenage years, you know, and also being in the Catholic education system, they Mm -hmm. could have Mm -hmm. fallen right back to what was comfortable, what was probably what they should have said. You know, I know as a teacher, (laughs) you know, the boundaries I had to keep very clear. I knew, especially as an RE teacher the things that I was allowed to say, things I was not allowed to say, rules I had to follow, all of that. But there was something very unique about the fact that these two people could almost, I guess, lack of better words, like compartmentalize that part. Like they didn't treat me differently as a student or they didn't cross any boundaries whatsoever as far as their professionalism was concerned. However, I didn't even have to say anything somehow for them to hear me and see Mm -hmm. me. I think that's what it is, Tracy. I think anybody else will understand this who has been, whether it's a child of a narcissist or like you said, experienced the trauma. When you find somebody who sees you and doesn't turn away, like for my experience, I was so afraid that when I shared this, so many bombs could have exploded when I shared this Mm -hmm. truth with them, whether they told the authorities, whether they felt they needed to tell my parents, whether they treated me differently. I don't know. So many things could have happened. And fortunately for me, they became my saving grace. And and I mean that in all sincerity, because it was probably... Um, yeah, it was probably the most trying chapter of my survival. Yes. Um, I think it was a, I think it was a crucial point in your survival and your journey and your, and your development, Yeah, you know, really, because you were, I think you probably were starting to really recognize that you didn't deserve what you were getting at home. So for them, for you to take the huge risk. Mm -hmm to put that out into yeah. the world and to be validated yeah, helped you, you helped reinforce that feeling that you didn't deserve it. And if you I, know, and then that you the, were worthy, yeah. that yeah. you were worthy of more, that you yeah. were worthy of love, the love that you weren't getting. Yeah. And to hear all of that, if I press the rewind button, they actually did step in the ring. <laughs> if I really think mm. about it, yeah. You know, by yeah. by standing by me and not yeah. taking my parents' side, they actually did. Okay, so then maybe they didn't take the first punch, which would have been an added bonus. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> <laughs> or two. No, I'm looking. Um knockout would have been no, I'm looking. Um yeah. no, but actually they did. And I think it's so weird because I have said to both of these women on separate occasions that because of them, I am here. And I mean that. I mean that. 
because if it weren't for them, because just like other things that we've been talking about, you know, I didn't tell this to anybody. I didn't tell my friends in high school what was happening. You don't share those kind of things. It's bad enough because you can see, you know, because and on top of that, other teenagers would just throw it right back at you and say, oh, we all hate our moms or oh, we all have arguments with our moms or, oh, our moms can be jerks. We get it. Blah, blah, blah. So I just wouldn't tell anybody. So right. to have this and nor would it's interesting because nor would I tell anybody that I was meeting with these teachers because I didn't want to sure. be the teacher's pet, you know, so it, right. it had to be a, a fine balancing act, just picturing me on that tightrope, yes. you know, over the canyon. Yes. Like that's what it was. It was trying to, you know, keep the balance of being a normal kid. And I'm sure that was exhausting. Yeah. And so courageous. Yeah. Really, truly courageous. Yeah. I mean, it makes me want to hang up and ring these two women, which I might mm. have to do anyway. Because I think what's so tricky, and you would know this especially as a licensed therapist and, and having done all the training that you've done, what's so tricky for children of narcissists is that we don't carry or raise the same obvious red flags mm -hmm. that a lot of other circumstances do. Like mm -hmm. I wasn't walking around covered in mm -hmm. bruises. Thank God. Right. You know, I yeah. wasn't coming in with broken bones. I didn't look right. emaciated. Right. I didn't have all of these obvious red flags attached to me. So sure. I think that's what's even trickier is when I talk about that teetering on the tightrope, it's like, I don't want to look like the victim. I don't want to be the martyr. I don't want to be the desperate teenager who needs help. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be me. And yeah. yet, how do you do that without, you know, having the red flags or having that note that you were handing over? That made it very tricky because, yeah. you know, if I did, like we were talking before about having the courage, because the narcissist can charm the socks off of an elephant, if they were ever accused and brought into that environment, I knew I lost. You lose. Yeah. yeah. You lose. I was never going to win that situation. So it was a matter of keeping all of the elements separate, juggling the plates yeah. separately, far enough away from each other yeah. that they're not going to tip the balance of each one. Because yeah. I had to ensure that these, these trusted adults were going to believe me without having to involve. And that, that took a lot of trust on their yeah. end, mm -hmm. you know, to mm -hmm. think that they believed my truth. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that, that was so, so, so important. Mm -hmm. And I think that thing, you were, yeah, sorry. Go I was just going to say you were, you found within yourself, you know, you had enough feeling of your own worth yeah. from somewhere, you know, that yeah. you had gotten to, to put that out there and to keep this balance that, that you just described, you yeah. know, to try to keep this balance um, in check. And as I said, I'm sure it was exhausting. Yeah. Um, and I think and you just wanted to be a normal kid on yeah. top of it all. You just wanted to be a normal kid. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I think the thing that is hard to realize, and this is throughout life, this isn't just as that child or just as the teenager, is although there are people 
who make a difference throughout the journey. Like there are, and I have been incredibly blessed with people throughout my life. And I know that this is the reason I am sat here today. There are some people less fortunate than I am. And I'm convinced Mm -hmm. this is the reason that I can laugh in the midst of the mud and the ugliness. The one missing thing is, although these people can and do and are making a difference, it doesn't change the situation. And that's Mm -hmm. what's hard because it's not like they come in, smooth everything over and then go, there you go, hun, and walk away. They come in, they say, I'm here for you. Sorry. Mm. (laughs) Gotta go. They sit with you. They sit with you in the mess. Yeah. Yeah. They sit with you in the mess. Yeah. And that's powerful. It may not be what we always want. We would like a fix. Yeah. We would like the mess to be tidied up. Yeah. And put into compartments and understood. Right. Yeah. And when that's not possible to find people who will just sit with you in it. What I take from each and every one of those people throughout my life that loved me and encouraged me and helped me to see my truth, which Mm -hmm. I stand in now, helped me to find my voice, all those things, what they enabled me and encouraged me and helped me to do is to now, when I say, when I hear that or whatever, when I can hear somebody say, your parents did the best they could, I can say, With conviction, my mom didn't do her best. And when I say that, there's no guilt, shame, or blame attached. I know 100% that I didn't deserve the way she treated me. I know that she did have options. I know she did have choices. And most importantly, I know that she knew what she was doing. I could not sit here and say any of those things had it not been for all the healing that went inside of me. And that happened because people listened to me and people saw me. People continue to see me. My journey's Mm -hmm. not finished. God, it's not finished. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you can have all this knowledge, all this conviction, which I love and I'm very proud of. But the bottom line is, all of us children of narcissists know that they're never going to change. And that's just the bottom line that you learn, that you have to learn to live with. You can come to all of that clarity, which is fantastic, absolutely fantastic. But the truth is, and I think this is probably one of the hardest things for narcissists to accept, is that you might have come to this conclusion. You might have arrived <laughs> yeah. at this understanding and appreciation and release of all these horrible, ugly feelings of the blame and throw that weighted blanket, woohoo, throw it away. You could have done all of those things, but you're never going to get the apology. You're never going to get the admission of truth. You're never going to get... And that sounds horrible and a negative almost afterthought, but learning to accept that I think is to accept, uh, is like the cherry. So you may never understand yeah. it. Yeah, because you can't, like, I don't think there is. It to your own, that you may never understand it, mm-hmm. but to, I think some, the work is to come to a place of acceptance. Yeah. And from that acceptance, 
you move into how to love yourself, care for yourself and cope and move forward, you know? And I think that that's the thing because coming to that understanding, I use that analogy, but I think it is very true. Like the throwing off of that weighted blanket, Mm -hmm. that sense Mm -hmm. of the light feeling, the liberation of releasing yourself from the blame and the guilt and the shame and all of that. It's absolutely life-changing, absolutely life-changing. And it takes a lifetime Mm -hmm. to unfold. Mm -hmm. It really does. It really does. And whether that's, you know, whether you're no contact, whether your parents still alive, whether your parents deceased, it's irrelevant. It's Mm -hmm. irrelevant because you're living with it. It's not, it's not the fact that you're living with the parent. You're living with the, yeah, it takes on a life of its own. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess my advice for anybody who's listening, if a child of a narcissist shares their story, please refrain from saying, well, your parents did the best they could because guess what? They didn't. (laughs) (laughs) The end. (laughs) Well, thanks, Trace. And I hope we uh, talk again soon. Thank you so much, Aaron. All right. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it for now. Thanks for hanging out with us. I hope you'll join us for future conversations. In addition to this podcast, you can find me and the Daughters Who Dare community on all social platforms. Please feel free to DM me on Instagram or email me at daughterswhodare at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you, listen to your stories, and know your topic suggestions. I will respond to every message. I'm so grateful that you decided to come on this journey with me. Let's continue to dare together.